Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the official Cello Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo, and I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of guests for Cello and for my other podcasts as well, but I, it's not every time I can say that I'm in, interviewing one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Now, Demolition, see, I'm already kissing up because uh, the questioning is going to be so... Appreciate The questioning is going to be so subpar. I get all the... Um, you know, all the compliments out the way first, and then you can deal with my, uh, you know, uh, terrible journalism after that. But um, I, no I problem, just, my friend. I just, I just. Um, so this is the 35th anniversary of Demolition, uh, which is mind-blowing. Uh, Demolition was some of the first action figures that I ever, uh, I ever got. And um, speaking of Demolition action figures, they are going to be recipients of Cella Toys action figures, which will be available uh soon and uh full entrance gear and everything like that and uh so i am here with super machine mass superstar he is axe he is mr bill Edie. it is an absolute pleasure to be able to chat with you how are you doing sir very good paul how are you i am good i'm, I'm just beyond excited that i get to uh that i get to do this and uh yes we have to plug the figure but i'm just going to ask you as many questions as, that's uh, fine that's as, fine as, uh, as possible. So let's talk about the figures first. Now, I'm guessing, you know, because you worked across, the, you know, many different territories as, you know, the Mongols, as uh, as Mass Superstar, obviously. Uh, but was WWF as the machines, was that the first time that you had any merchandise made of you? Because there's a machines poster and it's incredibly rare now. I, I don't believe so. I think they had some items in Japan, but uh, I think that one thing you can say for Vince, he knew how to market and uh, he was more into merchandising. And I think he still is, to be honest with you. Uh, that's why a lot of the people that he brings in already established, he changes their name and then can remarket them under that new name. So I believe we had some items uh, of course, we didn't see the benefits from it when I was in Georgia or Mid-Atlantic. Uh, it went it went to the office because it was produced solely for their benefit. So, but uh, mass production, I would say, you're probably correct. And one of the first uh, programs that came out because uh, they started in 1983, I want to say, and the Wizard was on the first cover because it was a tribute. Uh, cover because he had sadly just passed away around that time uh, but right. mass superstar is on one of those covers as well and mass superstar was only in the wwf for a year but it seemed like you were pushed straight to the top because you were having matches against backland for the title um you know was it always meant to be a short-term thing and then move on yeah i went in originally when i went in as a mass superstar i went in for vince senior he had come back and forth to japan a number of times and uh, noticed me there. They had a two different events. They had a singles Madison Square Garden event, and then in the fall, they had a Madison Square Garden tag team event. He would come over and present the trophies to the winners of each event. So we got talking back and forth. He probably had visited with me there four or five times over the years, my trips to Japan. So he's the one that I went in for. And uh, one of the things that everybody liked about Senior was you knew the day that you were going to start and you also knew the day that you were going to finish up. And if you're going to come back, it was probably six or nine months after that. So you could plan things. During the period that you were there, uh, Vince Senior passed away, I believe, when you were still there. And also Wizard uh, Ernie Roth uh, passed away as well. Um, right. So those obviously two huge... Uh, I don't know whether they classed as some stumbling blocks because I mean I remember when uh, the episode uh, right after Wizard had uh, passed away, uh, Vince and Pat Patterson are on commentary and they, they can't break kayfabe, so the you know they said this episode's dedicated to the Wizard. He wasn't a he wasn't a nice man, but we pay tribute to him because they had to obviously stay in character. And I remember the there's footage of Sergeant Slaughter. Um, who Wizard was managing at that point as well. And he would kind of look into the corner um, as a kind of uh, instinctive thing to try and get 
some advice from the wizard and obviously he's not there. And I think it was kind right. of built into a storyline a little bit. And I'd read that that had also cost the mass superstars some matches that you weren't able to win because wizard wasn't there to give you advice. Is that correct? I don't believe so. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the storyline that they would like to, right. to generate, but uh, he was only, uh, I don't know if the fans realize this wizard, for that period of time when I, I was with him, he was only in the gardens and a TV. He wasn't on the road traveling. So if I if I was depending on him to win my matches, I probably <laughs> would have only wrestled on TV and in the Madison Square Garden. That's a very good point. And, and back then as well, sometimes the managers wouldn't even stay at ringside. They would just go straight to the back. What was the reason behind that back then? I have no idea, and uh, that changed later on. And you guys are familiar with all the managers that you know, like Slick or Jimmy Hart or our manager Fuji. They traveled with us. They were on the road with us. Uh, they were out there and going up and down the highway. So I don't know what brought on the change. And now I don't know how many managers they have, or whether they're on the road or just the TV or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of the managers also wrestle now, so it kind of takes away the uh, the novelty of the manager match and the manager getting yeah, the cover yeah. ups and stuff like that. Um, I agree with you. Yeah, certainly not what it was. So, I mean, at that time, as, as the Masked Superstar, and also when you were wrestling in Florida and Georgia, I mean, I've seen one picture of the Masked Superstar unmasked. So was that usually as you were about to leave the territory? or um, No, that only happened one time. Okay, that happened in, that was in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. And uh, I had agreed that if I, I think there was an event that if I won the belt or something or won the championship, I would take the mask off. And ironically, the fans didn't want me to do it. Mm. And uh, when it was time to do it, they were all saying, don't, 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 don't. But the one thing that the mask superstar would uh uh, rely on if he gave you his word he was going to f- uh, fill that word and uh, whether it's taking a mask off and a lot of people I mean were there at that event and they say they turned away, <laughs> turned away from, didn't take pictures or anything so wow who took that one photograph then do you know how it got out there I have, I have no idea there was that building holds about if it was full, and I'm sure it was on that day, holds over 12,000 people. Wow. Okay. So for to have one picture and that many people in the arena says something. It would be almost impossible to keep any kind of secrecy now. I, I don't know how Glenn Jacobs as Kane did it for so many years. Right. Um, you know, but especially now with camera phones, it would be impossible to do the massive yeah. thing now. And the internet. I mean, that was time... The internet was just uh, eking along at that time, but uh, nothing like it is now. I mean, you can't go to the Dairy Queen right now and, and not be seen doing something. Did anyone recognize you without the mask on when you'd go into a, a petrol station or anywhere? Uh, you know, it's funny. We were we were on vacation. My wife and family and I were on vacation uh, and we'd go down to the beach. And I went in to get gas, and my daughter's standing outside the car, and a guy comes up to me and says, hey, aren't you a mass superstar? And my daughter was, <laughs> was shocked and surprised. And another guy who worked at the airport that we became friends uh, in Atlanta uh, came up to me, and he was standing beside me for a while. And he said, I didn't want to say anything until I heard you speak. He said, you're the mass superstar, right? I said, yeah. He said, okay, I just, I thought you were, but now I know you are. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And I love that you are in between the machines and demolition. And and since then as well, you can always go back to the mass Superstar uh, with yeah. certain things. And that legacy has certainly uh, still loved that. I love the mass Superstar. I'll be honest, I'm more familiar with that year in WWF just because the footage is more widely available. Right. Um, you know, then the Georgia stuff. And, and and do you feel that there are, you know, because WWE 
owns most things now. Uh, do you feel that your legacy is being with with archival footage? Do you think it's being represented fairly at this point? Well, there's so much stuff on YouTube now that I mean, I think anybody that wants to see uh, footage of any anybody or anything can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it really never concerned me. I I always thought of it as a job, and I just appreciate the fans uh, who. Uh, when we go to conventions and meet and greets and coming up and say, hey, I remember this, I remember that, or I really hated you. And then I said, I was doing my job one day. So. <laughs> and it's it's such a colourful career with three um, or four, really, with the Mong- Mongols as well. Uh, four very strong, well-known, established uh I hate to say characters. I'm guessing yeah. gimmicks you'd probably prefer. Or, um, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, it was it's a way to make a living. And that's, I got into this business to make a living. I wasn't sure that I could do it. And I was fortunate. I had a good uh, mentor in uh, Guido Mongol who uh, gave me a step up. And then I got an opportunity to work under George Scott who took me under his wing and gave me Boris Malenko. And then uh, good friendships through the years, uh, Andre. and uh, I was just fortunate. My career was fortunate. Between, um, and I don't want to make this sound like just a Wikipedia list. I, I swear I'm not trying to, you know, do this. This is like fine. stuff that I, I like just knowing I've always wanted to ask. Um, so you, after the Mass Superstar uh 1984 you know pre-wrestlemania was there any kind of um did you feel like you'd missed out because you weren't there i mean obviously georgia was still doing huge business so did did wrestlemania seem like a big thing outside of new york at that point if you weren't in wwf not really i mean uh, we had big events at the omni uh north uh the carolinas had big events uh Texas had big events, and I don't think anybody knew how large or significant WrestleMania would become. I don't think anybody in the office did either, and I'm glad it did. It's a great event. It's like the Super Bowl for football and uh, the World Cup and things. So, I mean, it's a great event. It's We were just there at WrestleCon during the last WrestleMania. And there was probably five or 6,000 fans that came through. And you can see it on their faces. The fans were all excited and they're energetic. And there's like Disney World for adults. But they don't realize <laughs> for us, for us to see our old friends and, 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 and start talking like we just were in a locker room yesterday, the conversations just continue. So it's not only good for the fans, it's good for the talent, and it's good for wrestling. The fact that uh, you can go out there as demolition as well and have that name recognition outside of WWE and have your own yeah. memorabilia, like the Demolition on Mars comic book with Kenny yeah. Casanova, which I absolutely love. I'm, I'm, I get along with Kenny quite well and I've been able he's to chat with him. He's a great guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's so creative as well. I mean, who could have imagined Demolition on Mars? That's so good. Um, well, they're, they're, he was tell, uh, sent us a message coming up with a, Second edition, so that's it great. It must be doing very well. I can imagine so. And uh, you know, there's demolition. There's the fan club out there now for the 35th yep. anniversary, and uh, not only the uh, new Cella toys action figures, but uh, the mini figures which Cella are involved with as well, with the big heads. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, there's so much uh, demolition stuff uh, coming out, and hopefully some uh, really cool Mass Superstar stuff. I'm winking at Charles, the uh, owner of Chella now. Uh, we need to see some Mass Superstar. Uh, yeah, we we've talked about it, so hopefully that'll develop. See, that's the thing. I try and get information out of Charles, and it's hard sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> quite rightly as well, because I'm bad for spilling the beans on stuff. So, um, so I love the machines now, Andre wrestled in japan as giant machine pre-wwf so did he pick you and blackjack specifically uh to come to the wwf with no we were i'll tell you the story when we were we were scheduled to go over on what the the, the uh 
New York Madison Square Garden tag team tournament. And in that particular tournament, Andre and I were going to be partners. Well, when we landed, we went directly to the office and they had informed us that the team, the machines, strong machines, had left and jumped to uh, old Japan. But the manager stayed, Wakamatsu. Hmm. So what they wanted to do, and they asked us if we would, for that tag team tournament, become a new machine team. The giant machine, of course, you can't hide him. And super machine, because I was already over there established as a superstar, and Wakamatsu would be our manager. And, of course, Andre had been talking back and forth uh, to some friends in uh, New York because he was getting ready to do the Princess Pride. After that tour, he was going to, I believe it was in England, right? During those conversations, uh, they found out what had transpired. So Vince sent over Gene Oakland to do a series of interviews with us. Yeah. And we came back. It was supposed to be a lark. It was supposed to be fun, which it was for us. And even to this day, some of the fans say, why would you do that? Everybody knew who you were. I said, well, you were supposed to know. How are you going to hide the giant? So in the interim, Andre was set to go to England to film The Princess Bride. So we needed a replacement. And there was another big guy in the area, like Jack Mulligan, 6'9". So he became the big machine. So. And then we had the Piper machine. We had the uh, <laughs> Hulk, Hulk machine. machine. We had yeah. the Junkyard machine, the George Steele machine. Uh, the Crusher. It, it was supposed to be fun. Yeah, didn't and it was? Didn't uh, the Crusher make an appearance in uh, Milwaukee as the machine? I as think well? I think so. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> the interviews were so funny because uh, you know obviously you don't. I'm, I'm guessing you don't know much Japanese. Um. Well, you know, I I knew more Japanese during that time frame. Because I was back and forth a lot. I was there 42 different tours. But over the years, like anything else, if you don't use it, you lose it. So uh, Andre didn't know that much, and Mulligan knew very little. You know, he knew Toyota, and he would come up with the Toyota, yes, Mazda, and High, and all that stuff. But uh, And uh, Albano, uh, as your manager, is, uh, yeah. you know, at, what was he like just backstage? Because, I mean, he, the stories that you hear was he knew that he would never get fired, no matter how much of a troublemaker, no matter how much he was a pain in Vince's backside. He could just do whatever he wanted. And is that the case? Just, you know, just fun. Well, he, he was a prankster and a character. But there again, uh, he was like uh, all the managers at that time. He was only at TV or the gardens. So, and, if you remember correctly, I think that's when he was starting to take off with the uh, the cartoon series and uh, the music uh, venture and stuff like that. So he had other avenues going, but yeah, he was he was he was always good good and nicer on me. So I had nothing but positives. And obviously, him <sighs> um, and Wizard go back a long time as well as the Holy Trinity with uh, Blassie. Uh, the Trinity of yeah. Evil, you know, and um, I don't know if you were ever told this or not, but uh, the uh, the Paul Vachon wedding that took place on Tuesday Night Titans, uh, there's a uh, an, a, re- a wedding reception after it, and there's different tables with different wrestlers sat around, and there's a manager's table, and this is not long after Wizard had uh, passed away. So there's three seats there. There's one for Blassie, one for Albano, and then there's an empty seat, which was kind of like a... <laughs> A nice tribute to uh, Wizard. Homage, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love that the, even to this day, giant machine action figures uh, are still made. So obviously they're very smart, though, because then you have to buy free because then you've got to use the head on like another two action figures for, you know, uh, for big machine and for uh, super machine, obviously. So they know what they're doing there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the machine's music as well. It was pretty badass for the for the time. Well, that was that was uh, generated in in Japan. Yes, yeah. so it was. Yeah, it, it's sort of ma- it matched the character, you know, mysterious like 
spacey and stuff like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely ahead of its time, I would say. And you know, I love the uh, the Toronto Fairgrounds uh, match that you had with uh, Bundy and Stood. Was that the biggest to that point? Uh, the biggest uh, crowd that you'd wrestled in front of? No, no, we were in. I was in Japan, of course, uh, in Pakistan, in India. Uh, we wrestled a number of times, over a hundred thousand people. Wow. Outdoor, outdoor stadiums, but I think one was 101 and one was uh, 108. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So um, with, you know, you, you wore a mask for a, a long time. Uh, so did you take from anyone in terms of knowing how to uh, interact with a large audience and in terms of selling, et cetera, as well? Because, or did that all just come naturally, or did you have someone in your ear? Well, like I said, Boris Malenko was my manager for a period of time. And uh, the guy that broke me in was Guido Mongo, Newton Tatry. And he always emphasized, and so did Boris, with, with your face covered under the mask, it's never going to change. Your expression is not going to change. So you have to sell with your fingers, your head, your body movement, even down to your legs and feet. So I used to make sure that I was aware of that. If I was going to sell something, it was my whole body was selling. Because if you don't, you know, you can make a face without the mask, but making a face with a mask on, you better react to it. That's cool because you know it's it's just one of those things I'm always fascinated by, especially a wrestler who predominantly wrestled under a mask uh, throughout their career. And uh, you know the face paint was is a different deal altogether. But right. you have to still express probably differently, even with the face paint, uh, because it can hide features on your face. Um, yeah, because you had like you know as demolition acts seem to. Um, vary the face paint more than smash i found yeah i used i used to change it nightly uh barry had one pattern he liked and enjoyed and it was easy to do and i used to joke with him i said i gotta change mine up because i changed my my feelings are gonna change nightly <laughs> uh, but uh i had it, it took us a while to get comfortable with the combination and i think the for me, the most comfortable one was the silver, and then I would have black or red or a combination of silver, black with red outline or red with black outline. So, with you and um, with Randy Colley, um, is it true Randy came up with the demolition idea? He came up with the original idea based off of the uh, Mad Max movies. Uh, and then he, but he had his original idea was to have a mask on and it was a fur mask and fur boots. And uh, being a mask guy for all those years, I knew that the, it was sort of like a, a monkey appearance. And I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I said, well, I've got a mask right now and I don't need to have a, change it uh so we tweaked it and took the mask away and played with paint for a little bit and uh took the fur boots and got the leather boots uh, heavier metal boots and added the spikes and took away some other things and tweaked it so it was a process of probably four or five weeks of uh doing this and eliminating that and adding this yeah um, unless you made it yourself, where do you get uh, basically some like bondage gear? <laughs> like, um, did you have to ask someone to pick it up? Or well, no, you we we there was some individuals that was doing costume work at the WWE at the time. Uh, later on, I think they were charging people to put the masks and stuff, put the outfits together. We got the hockey mask idea uh, from another movie, Humongous. But rather than just copy it, we covered it with the leather and spikes and then added the flap in the back 
So it was a process. I mean, it wasn't, people might think, well, gee, that, when did you come up with that? And it was over a period of time while we were still wrestling as our other characters. And, and some of the early uh, appearances with you and Randy, you had dyed green hair. Uh, you had mm-hmm. like sort of the kind of pizza triangle on your forehead. Um, it really was right. a lot of experimentation, but it looked crazy because you had like big red lips with like the black face yeah. paint and it looked unlike any, I mean, that was the stuff of nightmares. Uh, some of those early demolition. <laughs> To the point where the later demolition looks looked conservative compared to some of the earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, We we took a little bit from the movies. We took a little bit from Kiss. Uh, We took a little bit from our good friends, uh, Legion of Doom. You don't copy anything. It's not successful. Uh, And I think we still made everything our own original individuals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, early on in the first uh, few matches, Demolition had no music yet. And uh, you had uh, Johnny V as your manager. So right. was it kind of, um, if you're going to be new and a heel and have impact, you must have a manager. So was it, did you have a choice of managers at that point or was it just you going out with Johnny well, they, V? Well, the, the office gave us uh, Johnny V at the time and we, we didn't have anything against him. But any, all I think all the fans would remember Johnny was sort of out of left field sometimes, and we'd be in there kicking somebody's butt, and he'd be making all kind of like comedy comments, and uh, we thought, well, that doesn't match our character. We're kicking butt and taking names, and he's making jokes. So we both went to Vince and suggested that we have a more sinister and devious manager, which was Fuji. And uh, we were lucky that he said they agreed and and Fuji became our manager. We were doing, but he was always serious during the matches. Uh, During our road trips and plane trips and stuff like that, we'd go over the matches and add this, tweak that, take that out completely. Don't do this ever again. Keep doing that. Uh, But he was always for the match. Where Johnny was a little bit for himself, which I understand, but his character of comedy didn't match Demolition in the ring. No, it didn't. And one uh, added layer that Mr. Fuji brought to Demolition is that you start calling him Master Fuji because he, uh-huh. and, the, and when you hear the interviews, your training was basically torture. He would put you through torture to make you yeah. this like demonic, uh, you know, monsters from hell, basically. And um, yeah. so Randy, obviously, you know, the, the, as we all know, everyone recognized him, so it didn't work yeah. uh, because he was so blatantly a moon dog. Um, so, did he gracefully step aside, or was there any kind of animosity over that? No, he he was gracious. He he was with me for two evenings. The first one was, uh, and I don't know if it was backwards or for Hamburg, uh, PA, and the Meadowlands, and I forget now if. It, if it was Meadowlands, Hamburg, Hamburg. But anyway, the first night we go to the ring and nobody recognized me, of course, because they had no reference point. I was there before as under the mask. But they soon, and Randy was the champion there for three or four years. This is true. As the true. So the next night it was even worse. More people recognized him. And I, I came back to the dress room. And I told Randy, I said, this character, this gimmick is going to work, but it's not going to work with you as the character. I'll go back to Japan. I could get on the phone and make a phone call and be in Japan on the next tour. I had a longstanding relationship with Inoki, and that was my out. So he said, no, no, no. He says, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So I approached Vince, and that's how we made the change. And Randy could have thrown a fit and uh, blah, 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 but he didn't. And Vince brought him back for a period of time under another gimmick, uh, I think under the mask gimmick, 
Oh, wasn't he a oh, the yeah. shadows? The shadows, yes. The shadows, yeah. For a period of time, yeah. I'm going to be inter- uh, interviewing Jose Luis Rivera quite soon, who was right. in the shadows. Um, right. I love the idea of the shadows because it's just you wear black, you're a shadow. That's kind of yeah, right. <laughs> Um, so with the evolution of demolition, I mean, had you ever been in the ring with Barry uh, previously, and how did I'm you know in the ring? But I, I knew him through Ivan Koloff. I knew him through mutual friends that we had, and uh, he had a good reputation, and he was available at the time, so. I drove up to Charlotte. My daughter still lives there. So I was making a business and family visit. Uh, and we had lunch together and talked it over. And we hit it off. And uh, it was it was good from day one. Were there any reservations from uh, Barry to wear that outfit? Because it's, it's a very risky outfit by anyone's no. standards. <laughs> no, I think he realized that we were going to get a good push. And he had always had aspirations of going into New York. And what better way to go in and going on top? I think what people, some people may not remember is that Demolition debuted before WrestleMania 3. Um, mm-hmm. So were there any any talks at all about being part of WrestleMania 3? Or did you realize it was too fresh of a an idea for no we, i don't i don't think i don't i don't recall even being questioned about it or suggested because we had only been in there i think maybe one possibly two television shows so we needed more time to get over and have people sometimes you can't throw it to them you gotta have them ask for it hmm. and, then, and i know with, you went- with the next year was really good Oh, absolutely. And I know you were in the Saturday night main event battle royal that Andre eliminated Hogan. Um, And that's when Lanny Poffo bled a gusher. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but uh, yeah, Lanny Poffo was definitely a casualty of that. Uh, But I'm guessing it was the first time you were in the ring with Andre since, well, less than a year. I mean, only like, what, four or five months when the machines previously? Yeah. Um, Well, Andre Andre and I had worked probably I'm not exaggerating, probably 200 times in our career. Uh, As opponents, as partners, as tag partners, six-man partners, uh, he's uh, was godfather to my daughter's family friend, uh, good personal friend of not only me, but my wife. So, and all those trips back and forth to Japan, I mean, we were like family. And the drinking stories are true. Oh, the drinking stories are true, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I was showing my wife the other day. Somebody sent me a picture uh, on uh, on the internet of Andre holding a, a beer, a regular beer. And it was engulfed in his hand. I mean, it was like a, I don't know if you have the miniature soda cans over there in England, but that was like, me grabbing one of those little cans and it was like one swig. So for him to have 110 swigs is nothing. And my wife says, well, I remember when we were, uh, she had mentioned we were one time in California and San Francisco and we're at the bar and Andre grabs a uh, bottle of wine and it almost disappeared in his hand. Wow. So they weren't that, they weren't that really to you and I, a bottle of a quart of beer or a bottle of wine, might take a little bit of time, but if he really wanted to drink it, it was going to take one drink and give me another one. <laughs> um, so during this uh, early period of demolition, uh, yourself received an LJN action figure. Yes. Uh, of which Barry did not receive one. He was planned for a set that never came out. Um, yes. So- That's when they, tr- uh, they switched over to Hasbro. Yeah, um, and and the look that they give you as well is not one of your better known face paints, I guess. Which, for me, adds to I mean, it, it's a scarce, valuable figure as it is. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, but we, since we saw we saw a number of them at uh, WrestleMania, probably saw more at WrestleMania this last time than ever. But I mean, they were in pristine condition. That they looked like they. Were never even touched, let alone handled. 
Well, you've probably seen how it is, especially having new action figures come out. The wrestling figure world has just exploded and the, the value of a lot of figures now, including, you know, the Hasbro in the classic superstars, like all of them now are just crazy. Um, yeah. There's no, and no, they do such a good, they do such a good job. Like these, these tele toys you were mentioning, we saw the prototypes and my goodness, it, it, what a fantastic job. Yeah. I mean, and, we're really anxious to see them and get some of our own. <laughs> well, what I love as well is um, it's only the second axe figure to have the, the long chaps. Uh, right. With the uh, the black and silver face paint, which wasn't previously done on the original retro style uh, of that figure, because you had the red and black for that. Uh, right. Black and silver has been done as a classic superstar figure, uh, but not in this yes. original retro uh, style. I have to be careful about company names <laughs> on the Jello Toys podcast, yeah. so you know what I mean. Right. So, um, so. I love that this is uh, being made with removable helmet as well, because you'll, you'll know yourself, there was a smash and crush set and they came with the removable helmet, but you only ever got two helmets because Axe never came with one originally. Right. So this is your chance to have Axe and smash. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm pushing, this won't happen. They never listen to me, but like uh, as a double pack, that's how it should be. But I think uh, they'll probably be separate. I think, unless yeah. you know something, I don't know. <laughs> No, I, I I would like to see the individuals, but I, I'm like you. I'd like to have the double pack as well. Uh, and one of the, some, some of the figures that people brought were the double pack, and a couple people even had the three pack, which is, you don't even, there's nowhere you see those things anymore. No, and, and no, that triple pack came out right at the end of Jax's run, so uh, right. distribution was low. Uh, and, and there was always kind of like a, in terms of the figure, an odd man out sense with Crush that he was yeah. kind of like the rarity because the original Crush figure was really hard to get a hold of as well because it was only in the double set with Smash. Um, right. so I, I love that a Crush finally made it out. And then obviously with WWE's current line, there happened to be an axe and smash and then eventually a crush, but in a different type of box as well. So it kind of ruins the whole display. Exactly. If you, um, if you, you know, if you want them to look exact and, but I mean, I've seen Chella's artwork on, on their packaging as well. And it's always top notch. Um, and yeah. it, it's, people don't have to worry about, you know, this, it's a still a relatively small company, but look at the names that have been signed. Andre has been signed. Uh, for a figure, nice demolition nice. powers of pain, who didn't get those original style figures as well. So, we can finally do WrestleMania 5. Um, yeah. we need a Fuji, we do need a Fuji, but um, right, but yeah, oh, I'm, I'm so excited for these figures. So, um, with, with the face paint, because uh, I've seen the picture of Barry applying the face paint himself, and the, the face paint that everyone knows for Smash. It's quite intricate compared to some of Axe's face paint. So, did he, was that a natural talent for him, or did you show him how to do stuff? Or? No, no, no. He did it his own self. He he would experiment with, but it came up with, for him. I think, and he does it relatively quickly because we he, he always beats me. Because, but I'm having conversations during all. You know, it's part of the the kill the locker room time for me. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's, he, he does it really quickly and does it neat. He really does. And, and the thing that I noticed with Axe's face paint is there isn't any room around the eyes. You go really full, like the black will reach the eyelid, basically. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you'll put, I've seen where you've had uh, silver on the top bit, but you've got like black eyeliner, which really brings out, because you've got great eyes when you're pissed off. <laughs> you know, it's really scary stuff. Have you? Did you ever wear um, contacts as Axe? No. no. There are some, because you've got, blue, uh, do you have blue eyes? Blue eyes, yeah. They really shine through on some pictures, and it looks yeah. really scary um, when you really got, with the, with the red tongue as well, and, uh, you know, it, yeah. it eventually added the body glitter as well. Whose idea was the body glitter? Oh God, I can't remember. I think we went down. I when I picked up some silver paint one time, 
there was some uh, some gel in the tube. So we experimented. We, and we did that for a period of time, but you couldn't get rid of it. I mean, you, you, two or three days later, you'd still have, I'd come home and you'd have glitter all over you. And it would be in your shirt and your, your trousers and your socks and everything. The uh, trials and tribulations of wrestling, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, Piper told that story of WrestleMania when he was the half black and Andre mixed the uh, the paint with ink. And he had to go oh my the, god! <laughs> to go through the airport half black and just the the yeah. stewardess was just like, "Look, just get on the plane. I don't want to have to deal with any of this today." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So the the music. I mean, uh, when you first had it, it was instrumental. And then Derringer uh, eventually put vocals on it and it became a fully fleshed out track with a guitar solo because a lot of music back then was programmed on key- MIDI keyboards with like just a loop, like the Heart Foundation music right. and stuff like that. This is a fully fledged song that was on the Pile Driver album and is oh, yeah, just it was played, good. It, like, it was played here on the local TV. My daughters were going to high school at the time, not TV, I'm talking about uh, radio, I'm sorry. And uh, they'd be on the bus, and, the, and of course, the bus driver didn't know who she was and this and that. But uh, she said, probably two or three times a week, she says, Daddy, I'm listening to your song on the way to school or on the way back home from school. <laughs> did, it, did it really change your entrance at that point? Um, did it give you more swagger? Because if you've got a song you can yeah. walk to, um, yeah, it did. That's great. It, and I think what it did too for the fans, I, I hear. A lot of times the fans even, like we said last week, when the music kicked in, they knew something was going to happen. And normally they said, normally you're going to kick somebody's butt. So that that set the stage for the the whole match. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you remember this, but WWE went through a period where they didn't want to pay for the rights for the demolition song. Um, so WrestleMania six, arguably for me, your biggest win as demolition in the sky dome, you win the tag titles for the third time from Andre and Haku, which seemed like the impossible thing to do. Yeah. Um, on the DV- on certain DVDs of it, they've finally sorted it now. And now the demolition music's there, but you see the crowd just erupt. And it's the loudest reaction of the night. And I would put that up against Hogan and Warriors easily. Um, but yeah. when they had to dip the music down to dub over this generic rock music because they didn't want to pay for the demolition theme, I was just like, oh, we've been robbed of uh, something special there. But they have changed it back now, which is good. Well, they they have been known to do some silly things. And you know that. I think all the fans realize that. So, yes, I don't think it was anything against us. But I mean, for goodness sakes, you're talking about multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies chinsen on uh, tax rights or or seat charges or, you know, stuff like that. It just shouldn't be. Oh, oh we could go on a whole, do a whole show about that. Um, uh, one piece of footage uh, that everyone has hoped would show up on the network at some point is when Baba showed up on an episode of Superstars um, and it was never aired. And then it was to build up the Tokyo Dome match with you got you guys against Andre and uh, Baba. Uh, and I wasn't aware of that. There's a, there's a photograph that is uh, leaked out that I, I don't know if leaked's the right word, but uh, there is in somewhere in America. I don't know where it is, but Baba's in there with Andre because Andre had you know had turned uh, face uh, at WrestleMania, like such a great way to bow out uh, right. in in the WWF. Um, and I'm guessing just an honor for you guys as well that. You know, Andre and Haku, who are both getting cello figures as well. So there's another match that can be recreated. Um, yeah. It, it was going to be no one else other than Demolition. So was the, the two questions. Um, do you, did you regard the, the, Jap- the match in Japan as something special? You knew that was kind of Andre's last, at his peak, at his physical peak, because obviously, you know, health issues were kicking in at that point. Um, did you know that that was going to be something special? And that tag title reign, were you going to be longer 
uh, as champions, as faces than you ended up being? Because obviously during that time, the Road Warriors came in and everything changed at that point. Yeah. Uh, as for the, uh, the last major event with Andre, no, we weren't aware that that was going to be uh, one of his last appearances. It's just sad because, you know, we had that friendship for all those years. Uh, I, I think we also recognized the event itself was going to be big. I mean, it drew, I don't know what the egg dome holds, but it's probably over 100,000 people. Mm. And for and for Andre and uh, Baba to be uh, tag team partners, that was, a, that was a big plus because up till that time, Andre had still been working for New Japan, which was Inoki. So this was a big, big event. Two companies had contributed talent for that show. So, yeah, we were aware of that fact. Uh, as for uh, Mike and Joe coming in, uh, there again, I think that the office jumped the gun. Uh, we could have had a a longer period of time with the belts, get them established coming after them, and then down the road six months or a year have the blow-off match. But, you know, they thought they knew better and it just didn't work out. No, it, it would have made perfect sense for Demolition to face the Road Warriors at next year's WrestleMania. And yeah. you, had, you had gone by that point as well. And it just... It's it sounds horrible, but you, like throughout the course of 1990, once you had lost the tag titles, you could just see the petals fall off the rose at that point. Because yeah. you know, um, was it Vince who wanted you to wear those those skin tight masks for a little bit? Yeah. And was that yeah. kind of to make you look more bland, I guess, and not as interesting? I think or? it was. I think it was to take away from demolition. I think it was to uh, break up demolition. Um. We were now turned from baby face back to heels. And you just can't make that many turns. People get disgusted. Um, it was to bring us down a little bit. And the reason that we, we left or I left is I was given some promises that didn't come to fruition. So rather than trying to hang on and, and, and beg for a position. There again, I knew I could get on the phone, make a call in Japan, and be there tomorrow. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I did. Selfishly, is a huge Demolition fan, um, and I love Brian Adams as well. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt like a kind of an evolution, but it wasn't the same. And uh, you may agree with that. And But the thing yeah. is, as well, not getting to get you on uh, the WrestleFest arcade game that came out and uh, some other pieces of memorabilia. Like, it's purely selfish as a collector here, but like, you know, um, it's such a shame that Demolition fell off the edge of the cliff. So it, it seemed like a long fall at that point because Demolition stuck around for a good while. And then they had that match against Katao and Tenru and lost in what, like 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. And once you yeah. had left, were you still watching Demolition's WWF run? Were you still taking? No, I was, I was going back and forth to Japan. I called, uh, I finished up. I think it was Thanksgiving at one of the events. And by December, I was back in Japan, and then I was making I was making uh, uh, tours back and forth there. I mean, for years, for almost fifteen years, I was going back and forth to Japan, uh, a minimum of twelve weeks, up to sixteen weeks a year. So, I mean, all I not bragging, but all I had to do was make that call, and I'd go for two weeks or four weeks. They let me choose the number of weeks I wanted to go. I wasn't, when I first went, I was there six and eight weeks. And then after a while, I said, this, I can't do that many. So I'd go for two. Sometimes I'd go for three. Sometimes I'd go for one. Sometimes I'd go for two days. But yeah. they worked with yeah. me and uh, it was nice. I had a good relationship. And even today, I mean, I have conversations with Inoki's office and Inoki and, uh, we were just over there doing a uh, 
two years ago, I was supposed to go over again last summer for a benefit for uh, some uh, tsunami victims. And, uh, but with COVID and stuff like that, we just pushed it back. One of the more recent matches that I saw of you uh, was, it was you, Barry, and uh, One Man Gang. Who yeah. he kind of he, he mixed the Akeem and One Man Gang sort of gimmick. I don't know if you've seen the video on YouTube, but once the demolition music hits, there's a guy holding the camera and he's like, Oh shit, you're gonna get killed from demolition. <laughs> like just <laughs> completely marking out. Over. Yeah, I, I I've seen it. I think that was in uh ECW Arena, wasn't it? Yes, I yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, oh, Philadelphia. Good crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So there's so much more that I could talk to you about. And I'm selfishly on camera going to ask for a part two if uh, if you're happy to. But there's a because um, verbal contract, you see, <laughs> and then I can okay. all hold you to it. But um, there's a couple of questions I want to ask that are just completely out of uh, curiosity. Um, how did you find the axe voice? Because you weren't really shouting like that previously. Um, it seemed to just be a new thing like did you were you in front of the mirror um was that how you shouted at your kids (laughs) no i think i think it's well as a mass superstar i talked Mm. calmly periodically i would raise my voice boris malenko always said be different if everybody's yelling and screaming you talk if they're talking you yell and scream but most of the time everybody in mid-atlantic and georgia was yelling and screaming so all i had to do was was talk. And I think a little bit of the raspiness came from the increased volume, plus all the years of talking and doing interviews. Because sometimes you'd be doing interviews for literally 10, 12 hours a day. uh, And you get a little raspy. And now when I go to the doctors for, for medical checkups, the doctor doesn't ask me anymore because it's the same one. But when I first went, he says, have you always had that gravelly voice? He says, we've got to check. There might be something wrong. I said, Doc. And I explained to him, he says, okay. He says, you mean you've always had it like this? I said, no, but probably for the last 20 years, yeah. Because uh-huh. that's the thing. Axe never, ever talked calmly, ever. <laughs> like, no. I've never seen a team, like even the Road Warriors once in a while would tone it down a little bit, but Axe and Smash was so intense all of the yeah. time. <laughs> well, that was to get over Master Fuji. Master Fuji put the put the fear in us. <laughs> um. So, one of my favorite films is No Holds Barred. I don't care what anyone says. I've got a giant twenty five foot banner from one of the premieres. I don't know where I can put it in my house. It's not a big house, uh, by any means. Yeah. Um. So, how did that role come to be? Were you just recommended to, uh, by someone in the office, or? Well, it, it originally was supposed to be Barry. Uh, Vince came up to Barry, I think it was in one of the locker rooms or something, and said they're doing a film and uh, we'd like you to play this part. And uh, Barry said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, man, that'd be fantastic because I knew that I was going to get two days off. They were going to fly out one day. And then they were going to tape it. And I might get three days off. The day out, the day of the taping, and the day back. Which meant that I was going to be able to relax. Well, a few weeks later, and only because I had had matches, individual matches with uh, Hogan before as a mass superstar. And in Japan a number of times. He came and he said, would you mind doing the the part in the movie? I said, well, Vince has already approached Barry. And I said, you'll have to explain it. If if he steps aside graciously, I'll do it. If not, I'd rather not do it. So as a favor to uh, Hogan, Barry said, oh, yeah. Which meant now that he had three days off. So he was happy <laughs> too. And uh, we flew out that day. We met Hogan here at the airport in Atlanta. We discussed it. We went over the match in our mind mentally. The next day, we went to the gym, went to the makeup place early. They reserved the 
they don't see him for the whole day. We did the match in one take, and the producer said, that's fantastic. And uh, he said, well, what do we do now? And Hogan says, we're done. So I went home, <laughs> and we did do a couple uh, still photos of this and that, but it was one take. And it was about a 12-minute match. Of course, they condensed it. I think it was maybe less than a minute on screen. But another funny thing about it, my mother and dad living in Pittsburgh knew that the movie was coming out. And uh, they went to see the movie. Well, of course, I had a different look. I think they were looking for Demolition or Mass Superstar. So they watched the whole movie. And, you know, we were in the first scenes so they watched the whole movie and then the credits are running and my mother said i, I don't think they had bill in the movie but that's they must have taken him out and then my name went by so they stayed and watched it again and that's what they saw that was just shot in front of a real um live crowd oh, yeah, well. topeka kansas they had uh, the whole the whole building was full all the seats were full and they were giving away toys and t-shirts and this and that to keep the crowd because it's an all-day affair but we did it one take and we were gone it has such I mean, with it being a movie it has that glossy film multi-camera look to it and it's shot in a way yeah. that wwf shows weren't shot at that point so it would you know you'd be forgiven to think that the crowd were all just plants and extras but it's actually oh, a no. fully fledged match. it was jam-packed yeah it yeah. was jam-packed Oh, that's that's great. Um, so before we uh, we wrap up and we give the uh, the figure a much deserved uh, and and also the smash figure as well. Let's not forget both X and Smash are coming out. Um, one of the you know I don't play the new video games uh, too much, uh, but it was what two thousand and twelve or something. You were on one of the WWE games, and that felt like such an anomaly at that point. So how does if you're happy to talk about it, like you know the the WWE merch memorabilia that has come out is that just your own dealings you don't deal with the office or anyone involved with the company because it just feels no. I, I I want as much demolition stuff as possible whether it's just through you guys because it's officially licensed stuff or through whatever company wants to make it so do they reach out do you reach out or no no they don't reach out and uh, we haven't had any communications on that particular one they did reach out for us because the company had, the funny thing was the company had asked for us in particular. And the latest one that came out, we were supposed to be on. Uh, but something developed there. We're, we're not really uh, on the like list of the office for some reason. But uh, we, haven't, we haven't lost much sleep over it. No. Because, you know, no. like the cello toys and oh, there's a number of companies have approached us with uh, the wrestling buddies and things like that now and the pro wrestling tees. And I think they realize that there's a market out there. There's a good fan base for us. And uh, uh, I would like to be able to tell you that we were going to be on those games, but uh, as long as there's somebody out there that wants to produce some things, we've been approached by a couple other companies too. So normally we just let our attorneys handle it and it goes from the attorney to WWE and uh, they work out deal. We tell them what we'd like to receive and uh, sometimes it's too high. So, you know, they don't have much money. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But we're just going on the basis of what we think uh, they're not going to call you if it's a one-way street. If it's just going to benefit us, they're not going to call us. So it has to be a mutual understanding, and we realize that. So, but I mean, I think a, a we don't want to make all the money. We just like to be fair. Yeah, but I think a perception as well is because of whatever bad blood might have been there. And I mean, Barry's been on several documentaries for WWE since then, but I mean, you right. really haven't, um, even though you should be, because there's so much of your career on the network and, you know, but I mean, I'm guessing there's, 
everyone's open to something if something ever happened. Would that yeah, include the I whole? Mean, of- we'd, we'd, we'd never say never. It's not, it's, and, and I don't know if there's, I don't have any uh, bad blood against Fitz. I, I realize that it's all business. I'm old enough to be remembering that, uh, you know, uh, you have a shelf life. You can't stay in uh, certain events and certain position. A lot of guys real, don't realize that. and They think that they're going to, you know, be in the ring forever. No, you're not. Uh, when it's time to step aside, it's time to step aside. But like you said, with the merchandise and the, the T-shirts and the action figures and these things can go on forever. They don't age. So, I mean, we'd, we'd love to do them, but there again, we have no control. It's like the Hall of Fame. We have no control over that. Again, though, the, you know, there's so much demand for demolition stuff that you can just take the bull by the horns and just do it yourself. And there's yeah. a, and there's a quality there in all the products that come out as well, uh, which, you know, as there should be, you know, it's not just bootleg merchandise. It is official demolition licensed yeah. gear. It just happens to not be with WWE. Every time a Royal Rumble happens, I have far too unrealistic high expectations where I'm like, right, Axe and Smash are coming out as number one and two again. And, yeah. then, it, and yeah. then it doesn't happen. And then I'm constantly disappointed by it. But uh, there's just that um, when, I mean, you know, it, without going on a whole tangent, when you guys came out as number one and two at the Royal Rumble, that shot of you locking up before trading blows that has been played in slow motion on video package. It's such an iconic moment. Um, and it really set the tone for not just that Royal Rumble, but every Royal Rumble in terms of it being unpredictable and uh, wild. Exactly. exactly. And uh, a lot of the comments by the fans that that's their number one match that they remember, because I don't think they anticipated it was going to happen. And then they also, when they thought about it, they said, well, now they're going to break them up. But we didn't. So it, it gave them a double double whammy. Yeah, absolutely. Was it hard to transition uh, to Babyface because of how confusing the ending of that Survivor Series match was? Because if you just looked at it, everyone just thought Mr. Fuji had turned face and joined Powers of Pain. But it was a double turn. Right. Was it hard to get the fans on your side at that point? No, I think that there again, the office jumped the gun. They heard the people reaction because the people liked us. They were cheering for us before that. And I think that they said, well, my goodness, they they love these guys. You know, we got to turn them good guys. Got to have them come out of the baby face. But they didn't. I mean, I think that there was a difference between liking us and respecting us. I think they could anticipate what was going to happen during the match. Didn't necessarily mean they were in love with us, but there again, the office jumped the gun and they switched Fuji and we we could have probably gone on for another year as heels. Absolutely. But <laughs> by by WrestleMania five, you know, you were already getting the huge reactions and everyone jumped on board with it and it was it was absolutely great. So I mean, again, so many more things I could ask, and I want to thank you for spending an hour. Uh, with me this is something that i'll oh, my you know, pleasure, my wear on my sleeve you know is uh, i can retire after actually no because i've got to <laughs> do the barry interview as well but um, you know after yeah. that then i can retire happily you know um so yeah the uh demolition uh official cello toys action figures will be out soon uh we are at prototype stage and uh you know we we know how long figure manufacturing etc takes but cello do keep everyone completely up to date in terms of the progress of the figures uh showing the artwork the the manufacturing etc and uh again i own cella action figures and they rank up there some of my favorites so yeah and you know more demolition figures i keep them coming and also my superstar hopefully wink wink charles um so yes i want to thank the one and only Bill Eady. It has been an absolute pleasure to be able to do this and uh, ask you some stuff. Hopefully, stuff that you don't get asked too often as well, because you know right. I'm, I'm I'm always conscious of this as an interview. <laughs> you know, um, everything in the world being asked, but uh, you know, it's a, a lot of stuff that I've never thought I'd get the chance to ask you in person. And 
unfortunately you won't be in Liverpool. So, you know, this is a right. this is an honor for me. And I missed WrestleSlam that time that you were there. The first, when WrestleSlam happened like 10 years ago, I, and it was you guys, it was Warrior, it was all these yeah. huge names. We had never had this before. And I was like, it'll never happen. So I didn't go. <laughs> Right. And then I was just Well, like, I understand I understand the event in Liverpool is really well attended and we wanted to go, but you know uh Barry Barry and my my boss and Barry's boss said we're not going with the with the COVID stuff. So uh totally understandable. When, when they when they make those decisions, we have to abide by them. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> oh, that's the boss. Right, okay. That's the boss. <laughs> I totally, totally understand. Uh, but hopefully, if this ever dies down, uh, we will see you in the UK. And uh, yeah, again, if not, this is, I mean, again, something that I'll treasure. Uh, so, yeah, the official Cello Toys podcast, visit cellotoys.net. Uh, find uh, Search and Destroy You on Instagram. Search um, and Destroy You, yeah. And you can join the Demolition Fan Club where there's some really cool trading cards uh, signed by uh, Bill and Barry as well and yeah. uh yeah just so much more to come from demolition and uh it's it's been an absolute pleasure so i will see everyone next time on the official cello toys podcast Bye.